Philadelphia. I'm Joel Embiid. Like, I want the ball. You can use John with anything. You can be like, yo, them Johns is hot. Them your shoes, you know what I'm saying? So it can mean anything. Welcome to this week's edition of the Fly Zone. I am your host, Deshaun the Connect Carter, and I'm joined with Candace McLean. And we are the Fly Zone. You can follow us on all social media platforms. On Instagram, you can find us at the.flyzone. On Twitter, you can follow us at the Fly Zone. Make sure you tap in with us. Also, listen to us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iTunes. We're yes, worldwide, sir. Baby. We'd be remiss if we didn't open this episode. And this is episode five, right, Sean? We making it. But we would be remiss if we didn't start the show talking about what's going on in the NBA right now. Um, There's several NBA protests going on today. It started with the Milwaukee Bucks not coming out on the floor to play the Orlando Magic. And then it trickled down to the Thunder and Houston game being canceled. The Lakers not uh, also playing tonight uh, in a a league-wide protest of the unrest going on in Kenosha, Wisconsin, in a reaction to the shooting of Jacob Blake who, as we all know, was shot seven times and is back on Sunday by the Kenosha Police Department. Um, and so right now, I, I wanna, we want to say, like, I was from, from the fly zone. We'll lend the support to all protests going on. There will be, to my understanding, there will be all NBA players tonight will be getting a, a link to join a league-wide Zoom call with only the players in which they'll decide how they want to continue the protests, how, if they want to continue in the bubble, what is the next action or step for the for the players? And we also seen it um, seen in, in the MLB, um, the Brewers game. The Brewers game looks to be uh, postponed tonight today. So we'll see how where this goes. But we want to say a quick acknowledgement of to what's going on. People fighting for equality in this country and how they choose to do it. The Fly Zone supports you and whatever yeah. y'all decide to do. Definitely. Yes. All the NBA players, the Fly Zone. We standing with y'all. We support y'all 110. percent And obviously, from that love. To the to there was there before the before the protest before the boycotting, the Sixers did play it in that bubble according to according did, to sources. I don't know. Did they? Uh, would you really call it playing? <laughs> Apparently, there was a series with the Sixers in it. I don't know. As we all know, the Sixers they were swept last Sunday. Uh, they played the Boston Celtics and they lost the game one ten to one hundred six. Just to give you a few stat lines and some quotes, Joel Embiid had thirty points, ten rebounds. He averaged thirty points and twelve rebounds in the series. After the game, of course, uh, you know there were a lot of questions. Quoting B, he said, "We can never find a rhythm this year. It was disappointing. There's a lot of regrets." You know, I felt like the focus was not there always, and we got to be better. We just got to look at ourselves in the mirror and just do better. Yes, and I agree with Embiid. Uh, obviously, they need to do better as a team. I think Embiid showed up well. What, what would you think about Embiid's performance, Can through the through the series? I think he was the best player on our team, and he played like it. There, there will be a lot of people, and obviously me included, who says, "Oh, he could have done more," because you just th- you just think about him being such a dominant presence in the on the court. Yeah. He's obviously Talent from the talent standpoint, the most talented center in the NBA. And so, did he play like our best player? Yes. Did he play like the most talented center in the NBA? No. But at 30 and 12 average is very good. It's very good. So, I'm not sitting there banging my drum of, oh, he should have been out there 40, 50 at night. I mean, honestly, when you're surrounded by trash, it's hard to shine. Seriously. Okay. No, seriously. <laughs> you get, what, what, yeah. like, what, what else do you really expect? I mean, I think the most he got was from Tobias. Tobias uh, in the last game. Yeah. What? Uh, 
Go ahead. Sorry. Can you continue to stay? I'm sorry. You all right? I'm just saying, you said the most he got was from Tobias. Tobias showed up for one game, and that was the last game. It's like the person, you know, <laughs> it's like the person who shows up and y'all, you at the you at the club or at the restaurant, and y'all put money into the bill, and then you you, you got the whole tab covered, and somebody says, oh, here go $5, right. and it's like, oh, for the tip. Or, yeah, exactly. or, put, or I got the tip. I got the tip. Like, no, nigga, we don't need to have the tip. <laughs> we need you to put it on this bill. Tobias, we need you to put it on this championship. That's what we need, we need you to do. You can go on and give us the stats for Tobias, exactly. Sean. Go for what it. What you could do, Tobias, is give us uh, more than 16 points average in, this, in a playoff game. But no, uh, so he had his last game, he had 20 points and he had uh, five rebounds. Uh, the first time he scored more than 16 points in the last 10 playoff games he played, actually. Uh, <laughs> and let's be clear, he only made two threes, which both came in game, which both came in game four. The uh, yeah. actual sweep game. Tobias, after getting paid 180 million, man, you should want to do more. And I'm speaking from me. Like, if it was me, I, I would want to do more. I would be on the floor, like, demanding the ball in certain instances. It doesn't. I'm not saying he owes us more, but he should want to give us more. I don't know if he's equipped to give us more. A lot of people don't talk about. Okay, because <laughs> I'm not gonna get hype. Pop off, but there was two. School, there was two school of thoughts coming out of this loss: the Brett blame game, which we'll get to, of course, and the player accountability, which we're in right now. Yes, there's a lot of well, Tobias can't flourish because his spacing is so bad. That's Brett's fault. Then Tobias can't do it because of you know the passing lanes and la 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 la. Uh, uh. This is a $180 million man. He can't face up. He can't take somebody off the dribble. He is not a consistent shooter. He's not a consistent scorer. Miss wide open layups. So that's, to me, like you said, he has to do better. You got to want to do better. You have to start asking yourself, Sean, and Alec, is he equipped to do so? Maybe he honestly before he came here, before he became a sixer, I was high on Tobias. I liked Tobias as a player, and I was hyped when he came here. And I was just to be completely frank, I was completely let down. I was completely let down. Now we can chalk it up to a number of things, but at the end of the day, you got to play. You go out there, you lace your stinks up like everybody else. You got to hoop, bro. It ain't nothing else to it. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, we can chalk it up. You can say a lot of people going to say, "Oh, it was the system, the coaching. He wasn't getting this. They wasn't being used right." That's all well and good, but at the end of the day. You go out there and you play basketball. You know what I'm saying? Your job is to score yeah. buckets. You know what I'm saying? So, and it ain't no deeper than that. And that's all you got to do. Spacing and no spacing. LeBron is going to figure out what he's going what he can do and do it. 100%. And not, he doesn't have to be LeBron level, but just like players who know how to play. Exactly. Will get their bucket. We've seen other people with poor spacing. We've seen other stars with poor coaching. We've seen other p- players in poor scheme. They still get their bucket. A shooter going to shoot. A scorer going to score. Point blank period. Ain't nothing, else, ain't nothing else about it. Not to not to harp on, on Tobias. Moving moving on. Uh we all know there was a lot of after the game four, it was a lot of speculation on what was gonna happen with Brett Brown. And so they spoke to a few players. One, well actually two two quotes that stood out to me were from Josh Richardson and, and B. And Josh Richardson said, He's a good guy, he's a good man, he means well. I just think going forward that he's gotta have some more accountability. I don't think there was much accountability this season, and I think that was a part of our problem. It's going to start from it's got to start from scratch. It isn't going to be easy. People aren't going to be comfortable, but that's what but that's what championship teams do. Guys not doing their job on the court and off the court. There's got to be some sort of non not a consequence, but able to talk to each other and they actually listen, actually hear. It's a hard lesson to learn for some people, but in order for us to make this playoff run that we all want, it's got to start. Josh, I 100 percent agree with you 110 i'm only laughing because josh richardson literally said the same thing when he first got here about accountability yes he did he said the same it was like the mid i don't even know if it was the midway point of the season yet but he was saying like there's no accountability so even in that if i was a coach i would have heard that 
and said, okay, so if that's how they're feeling, let's tighten this thing up. Did that happen? Did that happen, Ken? Not at all. Not at all. Not, Not at all. Not even a little bit. And it was a player show, and there was no, I mean, I, to a point, I mean, we already knew that there were players who, what was it? What was it? Um, Kyle Quinn. Qu- yeah, yeah. We're missing COVID testing. Yeah, players that during the season when we when we were road tripping or, or, or flying around the country wouldn't even fly back with the team. You sit there and see the Lakers on the NEL season when we had a little shutdown. AD and LeBron working together in California. Ben Simmons is there. Tobias is at home with with Josh Josh Richardson and Beat is who I don't even know where Embiid worked out. There was no accountability from the from the ownership and into each other. Exactly, it is it is on the coach and it's his job to to do that to hold players accountable. But at a certain point, they are grown men and they professionals. Yeah. So at a certain point, it's got to say, listen, y'all, we got to turn this shit around. Like, what's going on? What are we going to do? And you look to uh, Embiid for that. You look to a Simmons for that. You know what I'm saying? So and it's kind of like I could see how Josh Richardson could probably feel like, you know, I just got here. I'm probably not that. You know, I'm not that guy. It's Ben's team. It's Joel's team. Um, they were saying Tobias is a vocal leader on the team. What the hell was Tobias doing? What was he telling these guys? I don't know if you can say much if you don't score. <laughs> you didn't even make a three this whole series. You didn't tell me to right. pick it up. Like, no. Right, come on, bro. Stop talking to me. That's probably what I was Honestly, game four, I was just hoping and praying that they didn't win it. I didn't want another second of the season to continue. Yo, when it was yo, getting seriously. tight in the game, I was like, Seriously. No. Ser- dead seriously. I, I, and I was even saying, yeah, I even said on the last episode that I was afraid that Ben getting hurt was going to be a reason for them to give Brett Byrne another chance. I was hoping to God they lost that fourth game. Oh, I was yeah. hoping to God. They got tight in the fourth. I said, they better not win this game. Yeah. They yeah. better they were, not win And they this were playing game. good. They were up at one point. I'm like, oh, here we go with the bullshit. I'm, I'm like, the game y'all supposed to lose, y'all want to come out here and win. <laughs> <laughs> the only time I'm rooting against y'all. It was like, it's like going to church and you're sitting there saying, oh, yeah, all right, so I'm going to sit down. And then they're going to keep taking their testimony. Exactly. And then you're sitting there and the service is still going on. And then the keyboard player is still playing. And the altar, you know, at the 10th altar call. I was at the 10th altar call watching that game. After Josh Richardson, of course, Joel Embiid. I'm not the general manager. I don't make the decisions. All I know is we've got a great organization, a bunch of great people outside of, the ba- outside of basketball. I've never judged people based on basketball. I judge them based on the people type of people they are. And I think in this organization, we've got amazing people from the management down to the owners, down to the staff, the coaching staff. The training staff, we got a bunch of great people. And that's awesome, Joel. Being great people and being a good person is all well and good. And I love that. But I need a great coach. Okay? That's what we need. That was the most blanket paint drying on a wall statement I ever heard in my I life. I felt like it had nothing to do with the question. <laughs> it's like you asking somebody, wow, are you happy? Did your relationship good? Well, he don't beat me. Exactly. I mean, no. Like, she cooks. I mean, she cleans the house. We all good people here. Like he just said, they're all great people. How bad? I don't judge people how bad they are. Like, we're not talking about that murderer. It's like, are they good basketball, Marjoel? <laughs> right. Do you want to see Brett Brown come back? I don't care if they like, oh, man, I saw him give the homeless guy $5 of the day. Well, okay. Got, well, we lost. We got <laughs> that got to do with him coaching. <laughs> not a damn thing. We got swept. got swept. But I will say, Sean, when you're when you get swept and you haven't been passed the second round of the playoffs, et cetera, et cetera, multiple times, and you're a star player, and then they're asking Josh Richardson, "Oh, what do you think about your coach getting fired?" And the reaction is from one guy about what the team is lacking, which was accountability from Josh, and another guy saying, "Well, I'm not the owner. I don't, you know, this ain't my boot. I'm not the captain of the ship." That is not a validation to bring this guy back. It is not a validation at all. And then it kind of puts me in a mindset of. How are you approaching it? Like, how serious are you taking this, uh, in a sense? Like, how serious? Because I feel like for somebody that's a superstar who's frustrated, as we all know, la- we, they got swept this year, last year when they lost to um, the Raptors, and, you know, he was emotional and all of that. He seems invested. You know what I'm saying? But in a response like that, it's kind of like, I, I don't question if he's still invested, 
or his heart. But kind of like, where are you at? Where is his head at now? Well, I, I have a theory about Embiid. And I want to say, like, obviously, I think, you know, obviously you go down to a game seven with Toronto. The ball bounces. His heart breaks. One, he was only invested because Jimmy Butler was so invested. But that was the difference. The, only, the demeanor difference or the response difference. What was the difference? Jimmy Butler's not here. That was the accountability that Josh is talking about. Somebody was holding him accountable and making him try for the first time. But I have a feeling, because he said some other things in that press conference about, well, I want to end my career in Philadelphia. I love it here. But if it doesn't happen, you never know. Well, you know, yeah, he, he went on a riff about yeah. that. And I just got to say, similar to regardless of people, what people say about him trying hard, not trying hard, there was a concern for me about Joel Embiid. He's 27 right now. When he came, when we drafted him high, they said he had the knee, the knee concerns. That he, he had some knee concerns as far as, hit the, I don't know if it's arthritis or what his condition is. But at a certain point, he was gonna, his knees were going to give out. And we didn't care because we're like, we're going to get the max out of him for five, six, seven years, and then we'll see where we are. Because in, that chan- in, that, in our minds, we're probably going to be a championship caliber team with him. He's a dominant center. It didn't matter. Well, now he's 27. And he might be looking at a room like LeBron was in his first run in Cleveland when you give me Opahan Shaq yeah. and you give me Mo, Mo Williams and you're not giving me anything. And I know my prime knee years, my prime athletic years, regardless if I'm in shape or not, my prime years are where I actually regard Joel Embiid is out of shape and Joel Embiid is an all-NBA, all-defensive player. Let's yeah, get that. and that's that song. So that's that I mean, song. regardless of what we think, yeah, like regardless of what we think about his shape, he understands I'm in the prime of my career. I got my own shoe. I, how long can I sit here with this ownership in front office and you wouldn't give me Mo Williams, which is equivalent to starting Shake Milton, and Opahan Shaq, which is equivalent to not giving me shooters or spacing. At some point, I'm going to force my hand like KD out of Oklahoma City and Westbrook. We keep going about the players who were in their prime, who were in their, where he's at 27 years old, in their time and saying, you know what? I've given everything I can. You took me as my first my first draft, the first draft pick for the third pick overall. I respect what you bring, you you invested in me, but I have to go try to win, like LeBron when he went to Miami. I can't sit here with old ass Shaq, well, behind Shaq, and just let you waste my young years. He's some, he's a couple years from being thirty years old. So listening to him endorse this endorsement of Brett, but also listening to him talk about, well, we'll see, we'll see, because the reality is, if if I'm him, I am not going to waste. I'm not going to be 30 and y'all figure it out. Hell I'm no. not. And you start thinking, looking around, what's my financial situation? What's our draft situation? Can we actually? No. Can you actually provide me what I need? I might force my hand this offseason. So if you're asking me what do I think about his reaction to Brett, I'm watching Joel and B from the standpoint of anybody can give you a max contract. You can get paid that same money anywhere. Sometimes it gets to a point when you hit a wall as a player and you say, I want to be great, but I want to have a legacy. So no accountability, locker room hostility, everything else going on horrible contracts no ability to help them like that is what will push your young stars away that's all i gotta say as far as the fallout of everything that happened in that game obviously but on top of that you know i i think of a quote and it says it's, it's always a light at the end of the tunnel you know what i mean so when we go when you're going through <laughs> stuff and you know it, it just seems so bleak and it, it seems so over with and you're just beating yourself down and you're just frustrated and upset you always gotta remember there's a light at the end of the tunnel, which brings me to my next point. <laughs> the firing of Brett Brown. <laughs> the firing, won't God do it. Won't he do it? Won't he do won't it? God do it. I don't know about y'all, but I had faith. I had faith, okay? Brett Brown is fired. He was fired, um, I believe it was Monday, the day after they got swept, which is Sunday. To the Sunday. end of the road. <laughs> 
and I can't <laughs> let. No, I ain't gonna give it to you. I ain't gonna do it to you. I ain't gonna do it. I am like. <laughs> Sorry, sorry, I got a little excited about that. Go, Yo, sorry, sure. Go with your. It's with been your a long time out. coming. Shit, let's sing some. Yes, songs. it has been. We have we have been anti. We have been firebred nation for years for right now. This years. Is... Oh my god, you have no idea. So and believe it or not, you can. There's there's some people out there that said, uh, maybe it wasn't just him. There's other things. It's not always just a. It's code. other things, but it was a lot of it was him. Dog, do, it was other great. things, but he brought them too. He brought those things. A lot too. of it was him. Those were yeah. his problems. He it's brought other them. things. So for those people, yeah. for those people, let me let me just fill y'all in for a minute, really quick, okay? So this season, seventy sixers went forty three and thirty. This season, he finished here with a uh, twenty two hundred twenty one and three hundred thirty four record. Um, for I think the first was it three years he was here that we were tanking the first three or four years. This year, the early, the early process, process years of tanking. The, the, uh, shout out to Tony. Shout out, shout out Sam Hink, Sam Hinkie. Uh, <laughs> uh, he died for our sins, quote unquote, dwelling beat. <laughs> At 226 right. losing streak games resume, on his resume, uh, we, we lost 26 games in a row more than once. They happened two times. Twice okay? with this guy. So let's, let's not forget that. Never made it to the conference finals here. And he also had two all-star players in his tenure, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. Uh, he had all-defensive player in Robert Covington, Embiid and Simmons again. You can add to that, to that list. And Embiid with Simmons were all NBA players. You know what I mean? And he couldn't get the job done. Couldn't get the job done. So the people that was out there to say, oh, maybe it wasn't just him. We could have just tried him out. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. Shut That's, up. And I'm going to leave, and I'm gonna leave y'all right there. Shut up. Like You're saying anything. And whoever didn't think Brett Brown was the problem obviously doesn't know basketball. You have you have people on TV that the analysts who get paid very well to do this asking for Brett Brown's not asking for his job, but asking for him to be let go because they want to they see the city do well. So, uh, Brett, I wish you the best. But I'm glad you're gone, okay? I'm, I'm glad you're gone. I'm going to say that. Ken, how you feel about Brett getting his ass out of here? Like, is this what it feels like when you pay off your <laughs> It must be, because I'm still paying him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know. <laughs> uh, what, 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 <laughs> is this what it feels like to walk out of the Maserati dealership? Seriously. Because <laughs> I have been grinning all week. And I want to say, I'm a realist. And so, to Sean's point, when he's talking about, well, was Brett part of the, like, the problem? He wasn't. I recognize, especially this year, there were other elements besides Brett for this team's failure right now. But Brett runs the responsibility, the entirety of the tenure, 80% of the rest of it. When it comes to now reports, which I don't know if it's true or not true, because you know how media will love, well, teams will love to rag on you yes. when they're about to fire you behind. This whole thing about he didn't want Jimmy to come back or whatever was going on. I don't even know. I recognize that Brett, he came in here from San Antonio, from the pop, pop tree. He had a GM and Sam Hink who told him, listen, I don't want you to win a damn thing. If you go out there and try to win, yeah. I'm going to go take your keys to your house and kick you out of my arena. So for the first couple of years in this league, I understand that's a hard job because you are a basketball mind. And you do want to, you don't want to continue to lose. Like Sean highlighted, two 26-game losing streaks. I understand. The first three years, you were told to, to lose. And what that losing did was get you two top-tier talents. You could have had three oh if you were drafted Tatum. So the tanking did work. The tanking did work. But that tanking took a lot of real estate off your life and everything else. So you went around mentoring young players mentoring a Pierre Jackson or whoever, you know, these random people Big who P. many are like not in the league, except P. for Ishmael. <laughs> <laughs> and I get that. 
The problem was once you got these young players who you didn't develop because Simmons and Embiid are exactly where they were when they first walked in the door, just healthier a little sometime here or there. That when you got to a point where you had talent, like JJ Redick is a good shooter, and Jimmy Butler in here, and allegedly Tobias Harris. Allegedly, I'm glad you when he that. finds his when he finds the strength of the back Black Panther <laughs> and gets back to <laughs> Tobias. That when you had talent, you couldn't figure out how to use it, and so that shows me you were just a coach. You are not like they said in Godfather to Tom Hagen. You're not a wartime concierge. You were here. To, for a team to mow good guys, like Joel Embiid said, he reads books to kids at that shop. He's a good guy, then <laughs> all that stuff. You are not here to put a championship imprint on talent. No. So I'm not here to say we don't need to trash him. We didn't trash this man for four episodes. We yeah, know, you know, yeah, we exactly. know he's. And that's why I said it, I wish him the confidence best. Level. I wish him the best. Yeah. but we know up. it's a confidence. We know it's a confidence level, even down to the game three where we call a timeout and you allow a switch with Al Horford, in which Kimba Walker comes and switches off of Tobias Al Horford, and then Kimba Walker gives us the dagger in the game three. Yeah. How do you even allow that switch to happen? What did you say in the timeout? I don't know, but it sucked. So <laughs> well, said it didn't work. Enjoy coaching Team Australia in the 2021 Olympics in Tokyo. Do your thing, baby. Get the hell away from my team. <laughs> Seriously, man. God love you, but I don't got to. Seriously. and That's how I leave it. As we move on down to describe Brett Brown's tenure here in Philly, um, Elton Brown has some uh, interesting quote that I thought was was worth mentioning here. Um, I mean, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, regardless, of, because obviously, if if, if he's a, Brett's gone, so he's the architect of the future of this team. So like yeah. everything he has to say is probably interesting, even though whatever. It's, yo, and I was about to say even though whatever because. We, Please hit me with the quote, <laughs> because honestly, like, I got the Arya Stark list, and your name is on it, Seriously, so yeah. I don't know why and you're here. Before you know? I even say the quote, I was, I was going to say, a lot of people feel like he's part of the blame as well. He hasn't been here as long, yeah. but he's, they feel like he's part, part of the blame as well. If we're talking about, like I said, 80%, Brett, the 20% is that yeah. man. Yeah, I mean, and I, I understand. I, I wouldn't even say that. I would say it's partly his fault, but I definitely understand. Okay, 15%, 5% is No, no, and you can keep, keep it at 20 because I get it. I get why you're saying it, and I get why other people are saying the same thing too. I understand. He's in charge of bringing the people in and bringing certain personnel in, and I feel like he did He did that once. He did a good job with that, and Brett just didn't know what to do with the talent. He couldn't get the best out of the players. Um, so the Elton Brand quote goes as follows. As of now, yes, it's failing. It didn't produce the results that we expected, it's it's a results-based business and we're trying to write things we're trying to write the wrongs currently yes we failed will we position ourselves to win yes okay so that's his quote and just to give you a little more i'm gonna give you some some of the things that elvin brand has done since he's been here uh he traded robert coverton and dario sarson minnesota for jimmy butler great trade I, i'll take my hat off to elvin brand for that um he dealt landry shamit uh, two first round picks for tobias whatever um he let Jimmy Butler leave in the signing trade for Josh Richardson and signed Harrison Horford. Uh, Tobias Harris, he got a five-year deal worth $180 million, and Horford got a four-year deal worth $109 million. And that is where I can see you guys' frustration. That Horford deal was nonsense to me. Okay. <laughs> you actually think that's only outside the of, problem. Outside, listen. I mean, as you were talking, as you were talking, as you were talking, you know that scene where, like, Arya started learning how to do knives, and she was like, Jabbing the table with the knives when she was actually like figuring out how to use a knife when she was young. That's what I felt. That's how I figured about what you was talking about in Brand just now. That's how I felt about Brand. 
it's it's beyond those two contracts, Sean. And even when you said like when you just shirked off that trade for Tobias, like those are two first round picks that I would love to have right now. Seeing yeah. as how Tinky, like you said, Tinky died for this. My problem with I mean, I'm not even get to let the him, point where you ask me what I think about it. I'm just gonna talk. My problem is in listening to that man's <laughs> press conference yesterday, which get the hell out of my face. You sat there and you're like, oh, we gotta we gotta consolidate power here because I was pretty much I was too busy half stepping and not wanting to do my own thing that I let other people talk in my ear and la 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 la. You sat there blaming analytics. You blamed your staff that you had, and you pretty much placed blame everywhere else and then went under the umbrella of we got to do better without looking in the mirror yourself. Because what you walked yep. into was a team with the most draft picks through 2022, several of them first round. Yeah. Even, even the trade that we did with under Hanky is bearing out this year. That Thunder pick, we're set until 2023 with an extra, with, with I believe it's a Thunder's pick, to 2023. Second round pick, just because of Hinky, you walked into money, a team way under the salary cap, two stars, two all-star caliber players, draft picks out there behind, and you dare to come to tell me, after two years here, where you know you need shooters, and you know you need to get better athleticism, and then at two years, you brought in Mike Scott, nobody, no athletes, Drafted Zaire, gave away our picks like his iPhones in China, gave an old dumb $109 million, gave a journeyman Tobias Harris $180, a max deal. Everybody's talking about, oh, when Simmons went down, what was a me going to do? I'm sorry. The last time I checked, a max player is supposed to be a superstar. Exactly. And if you're not a superstar, then you don't deserve to be a max player. Then why are we talking about this man not making a three to the game four? Exactly. Exactly. That was you. Not analytics. Not well, I talked to my assistant GM, and he told me this. Another guy, that was you. In a, in a real world, when you want to put this thing about Brett Brown not wanting Jimmy Butler, okay, in a world where you say he didn't want to work with him, which I'm not sure I, I would I believe in that story. I wouldn't care. You I traded care away. Who he wants to work with. You traded away our, our capital to do that. You traded away our capital for a guy you couldn't close. For a guy who pretty much, when we saw off of, off of J.J. Reddick's podcast, was never probably going to resign here either. And on top of that, the disrespect is you don't even try to offer him the match. You didn't even make it even hard for him. You didn't even try to get that exactly. rental. You didn't even make it hard that. for him. It was easy for him to walk away from Philly. Y'all ain't offering him nothing. The close, he was the closer for the team. The, your closer. You don't offer him a dime. You're sitting there. So now we sit here. You want to sit there. He's ready. To, he's ready. I'm ready now. When he started two years ago, this job. I'm ready to start. How are you going to sell me on? Now I'm a grown-up boy. I'm not Pinocchio. I'm a real boy. Now I want to do my damn job. After two years of watching you not do it, and you want to come to me talking about, yeah, no. whoa, now I can I, I can do it because I can't do it. What are you? No, no, no. I, the reality is, Brett's incompetence was one thing on the floor. His ability to diagnose plays. I remember I showed you that picture of Brett's that play. I said, what play is this? It was a squiggly line. I don't know what the hell he was drawing. Yeah, yeah. He was on there drawing but, stuff. He wasn't even. When you wasn't come no out here, I have no I have no idea what that. I have no idea. What he was drawing on that on that van. He wasn't drawing anything. That's the thing. Brett's incompetence. But you you handicap us when you're you're a GM. Your job is to get talent so the coach can 
coach it. Obviously, our coach can coach it, but at least get the talent. There are shooters out there to be ha- there were shooters out there to be- shooters out there to be had. So I can I'm, I'm sitting there saying I don't have any faith in a guy. How can a guy seriously sit there who gave a old dog a hundred nine million dollars? And an average player to me and Tobias a max deal and say, I'm, I am going to be the captain of the ship to get you out of this rut. You know what that captain is? The guy who ran the Titanic. <laughs> You're going to run us into an iceberg. It was a goddamn iceberg. And we all going to die. I don't trust nothing you have to say. So he has to go too. Looking back on it, looking back at the fact that they didn't even offer Jimmy anything. And, that, and, and because that was predicated on what the coach wanted, as if he as if he he's earned that right to say which players he wants and doesn't want. So what the hell has Brett Brown done around here to dictate to anybody, let alone the GM? I don't think the story's true, Sean. I Look, honestly well, that's all I got to go true. off of. Okay, so I, I'm, I think obviously, like you know, Jimmy and him right, didn't get yeah. along. He already tested it in that meeting situation. Do I think Brett Brown, if he's if he's out there with the puppies and all that crap, actually went to the front office? And said, oh, I don't want this guy back. No. That doesn't even seem like that type. It seems funny to me that with all this media going on, we didn't hear this story until the day before you fired him. That is interesting to me. Because Jimmy's a vocal guy. That Philly media is, yeah. is the most vampiric media in the, in the market. They find this stuff. Now, all of a sudden, the day after we get swept, the story comes yeah, out. Oh, he didn't want him back. That's a straight-up organizational drop. So fans can get all lathered up. And say, oh, yeah, get him out of here. He, so we, we can dangle something in front of our face and say he was the only problem. They want you to, set, they want to, do to sit there at the Elton brand, gave us a, a new order, and with a whole fresh about there, like, oh, I trust Elton. We got rid of the, we got rid of the co- rotten core. We got rid of the problem, Brett. He, was a, he wasn't a team guy. He cultivated atmosphere that even Jimmy had to leave Brett. Now Elton, he's going to get him out. Elton's going to be the going to be the going to be the guy who gets in the right direction. That's what they dropped that story for us to think. The pro- the thing is, you cannot be so- be the solution to an issue when you're part of the problem. The question I was going to ask no. you is, do you trust this front office to hire the right coach? And I answer my own question before you even answer it. No, I don't. Honestly, I do not because if we we haven't had a I guess I say a, a good coach or a, even an okay coach since, to my knowledge, Larry Brown. I can't remember any uh, having uh, having any real success since Larry Brown and Allen Iverson. Well, we had to get an assistant coach, but we let him go to the Suns, and now he's a good coach. Yeah, so. and hats off to him. So Monty, <laughs> Monty Williams. Yeah, hats off to you, Monty. We had good assistant coaches. So yeah. I mean, honestly, honestly, I don't, and <laughs> I, I'm not going to speak for you, but I can guess you don't either. Uh, seeing as how I think the whole front office is incompetent, seeing as how I think. Uh, O'Neal just wants to have a basketball team to diversify his portfolio. He only cares about the he yeah. only cares about the New Jersey Devils hockey team. He does not Scott does not care about the Sixers. You got Ruben who only owns like one percent of the team anyway. He just wants to be out there taking pictures of Meek Mill. He doesn't care. So nobody's gonna force it from ownership. The front office is out in brand. Hell no. It's safe to say that the Sixers have a lot of rebuilding to do, <laughs> a lot, a lot. And I'm not saying they and, can put a team the up. Or I'm not saying heart. they should. Would you say in on the court and in your heart? <laughs> Yes. And this is the city of brotherly love in all our hearts. <laughs> Y'all killing us, man. Uh, a lot of people might not know, but Pennsylvania is actually in a $3.2 billion budget de- deficit. That's a lot of money. Okay? That's a lot of That's cheese right bill. there. That's a large bill. <laughs> That's a lot of cheese right well, there. Mar- well, Martin, somebody like the serial number on this, uh, this ring right here. When he bought you the He said somebody left a social security number on the side of the. Uh, he just said, no, that's the like, price. No, that's the price. <laughs> and right now, we got a 3.2 billion social security number on the price for the state of Pennsylvania. We've had a little more time to see what's happening in places like Colorado for revenue. This might be one way to fill a hole. If the legislator does what 
the lieutenant governor and I exited to do back in the summer of last year. And that is legalized recreational marijuana. I ain't mad at you, Tom. And use the income <laughs> from the sale and the taxes that come from recreational marijuana to supplement. And obviously what he's referring to is that the Colorado thing is that Colorado made a billion dollars in total state revenue since when they legalized cannabis slash marijuana since 2014. So they've made a billion dollars off revenue in four years. And the year's not even over that yet. That is crazy. The year's not even over yet. How does, it, how does it make you, or how do you feel that they made that much money off of selling recreational marijuana and I'm... Um, because they let's say millions, thousands of people have been arrested for millions. You're right. Million for 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 selling the same thing that they're that they're legally selling there, and they're making billions off of it. Like is that? I mean, everybody loves this country, and and I'm not here to get into politics or any of that other kind of stuff. But doesn't it feel weird to to for something to be li- literally illegal in certain places and in other places where it's not? They're making billions of dollars doing this. Well, it's all it's it's always messed up until they can can commodify it. Exactly. Meaning, it's always illegal until I can find a way to make money. I mean, this is is how this is how it is with life. Alcohol, they had prohibition, then they realized, oh wait, it's a Great Depression. We had a problem. We gotta get money off it. Well, bring liquor back. To bring liquor, and that is insane (laughs) to me. Yo, that is insane. Yeah, so it seems like everything, and this is very, and you gotta understand how weird it is because Pennsylvania. This Quaker state where you have state-run liquor stores because they want to control like the intake of it. Like obviously, I'm from Jersey. Like there, there are stores everywhere, but every liquor store in this is, is a Pennsylvania fine wine and spirits because they they want to control if you can get a drink on Sunday or not, depending on which part of the city you live in. You you can't even go get a, go to a liquor store on Sunday and it's going to be open or closed. Exactly. And they only got forced to start doing more Sunday. Why? Because of money. Because because this is historically have been, has been previously a red state. It historically has been, you know, the Quaker Pilgrim State. They want to control all this stuff. So to have this so-called clean state where they just started letting you get a bottle of wine on Sunday a couple of years ago to go to, well, we got, we need, we, we got our wallets are, our, our wallets are empty. So let's, you know, forget all the things you're talking about. Forget everything we talked about for, for since this, the inception of the state. We need money. Meanwhile, we're still gonna lock you, lock yeah, you up. Yeah, and it's people still locked up for the district. And it's people yeah. still locked up. And so we to 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 like you know Will's point when he was talking about he wants to take the revenue sell. He wants to take half of that revenue to help historically disadvantaged businesses like you know the, and repair the harm done to victims and communities as a result of this. Meaning they they want to they claim they want to take half of the revenue, which I, I would love to see how they're tracking that money and give it to black, Hispanic, Native American, and Pacific Islander groups that traditionally have been discriminated for financial dealings or, or and I, I'll bet you know, the whole, whole billion dollars that Colorado see. made that they, that that is not what's gonna happen with that money. <laughs> I and that, as we talk about legalities, what it would be is like, oh, we gave a small we gave some money to a local center community that's down the street from a school that has a lot of black people in it. Yeah, and then pat themselves really on the like back Starbucks. as if they did something like so magnificent. Like, <laughs> come on, man. Because that's like the soda tax, you know. There, there's been several things that oh, we're going to tax the soda. We're going to tax the soda, and the soda tax can go to education because every educational system is all messed up. And clothes are still schools are still sheltering. They're still underfunded. The soda tax has been here for what three, four years now. Four years now, yep. And the school district has done well with that money. They want to sell you a lot, so to Yo, it's even. I, still, it's even I know. I, I know some schools that still have asbestos in their buildings. 
I know some schools who don't have heat in the winter times. Like I said, I bet that whole billion dollars. Into, they turn the schools into they, they turn the schools into rooftop bars. So no, seriously, the yeah, they are. Bop, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so this whole thing it was one thing, like you said to your point. What does it mean that they're taking something that has harmed our community, that has disenfranchised us, that's criminalized us, that's put about put us behind bars for many years, everything else, et cetera, et cetera, and now they're trying to say, well, because we have we got we have we got a bill we can't pay. Well, can y'all can y'all just go buy some weed, but buy, buy it, it from us, off of yeah, us so we buy can it from us instead, it? so we can tax you for it and maybe make a couple dollars. That is insane. That thing you did was horrible, but now it's not horrible because you're getting it from me. That makes, that makes no sense. sense. And they try to justify it by saying, oh, we're going to, the money we make from it, we're going to put it in your communities and we're going to do that. No, you're not. And if you were, you should have, this is, this is, this is, you guys are light years behind. Like, this should have been happening. Colorado did this in 2014. It's yeah. 2020. So if it yeah. was really about that. And obviously, like, to, we're talking about something that shouldn't be criminalized at this point to begin with. Obviously, we could talk about the ramifications of well, if you if you get behind a wheel after you get high, well, that's just a that's a that's a DWI. Like that's there are there are laws in place for other things, but if you're just talking about the decriminalization of marijuana, like that's something that just should have happened to begin with. There's there's a lot of things that we we could be that should be decriminalized. We would be here all day talking about it, but like you know, to even say that we're going to decriminalize something that hasn't that shouldn't be criminalized. Because we need money, when you can go down to like the near, you know, any the jailhouse downtown and see people in there for the same crime that they're trying, they're pretty much trying to be drug dealers, but legal drug dealers. Yeah, legal drug dealers. So the people that which is big pharma. So the people that have already been arrested for these crimes, for those crimes, and the people who are like currently incarcerated, don't you feel like those people should be set free? If they're if you're going to legalize weed and somebody's sitting in prison right now or sitting in jail for right right now. For selling this, for selling, we're sure hard to be selling, shouldn't it? Right. And not only should he be let out of prison, that should be taken off his record as well. Because it, best believe yeah, it's going to prevent him from getting talk- a, a, um, a job. And then, and that's normally what happens. You come out, yeah. and you know you fighting whatever's on your record, and you can't get a job. And eventually, you know, you, you people try, people last a while too, and people actually do it. But there's a lot of people who don't who turn back to the streets or turn back to what got them put in jail in the first place because of what's on their record. So. And I feel like it's like a double slap if if you let you let them out and keep it on their record because they eventually they're going to end up back in the same place anyway, which is where back in prison, which is doing what put money where yep. back in your pockets. So don't think that they're doing them yep. or, or and that's or what I'm saying. You, like really they, can. I'm really speaking to them. Like don't think that you're doing them a favor by letting them out <laughs> if you're not going to take that off of their record because you're not doing them a favor. You're kind of like giving them a break. Take a break. Yeah, you'll be back soon. Is pretty much what you're saying. Yep. Like you be you taking a horse out the pasture, you, you like you you out there running him around. You give him a drink of water. Let, he think yeah. he thinks his day's over, and then you hit the yeah, horse back, kicking the horses <laughs> behind and riding off. Like yeah, you just it's a system. And the reality is, when you said you're talking about you get half the money to the to the to the system. What that system is, like you're talking about, you're slapping people with yeah. these marijuana offenses and giving people criminal records. Like you said, get the records keeps them, keeps them from getting jobs. They can't vote. You want to apply for schools, they can't get financial aid or student loans. Um. You're sitting there and you're taking opportunities from people. You're taking their family members from them all over this criminalization that you that we built up through the history of Pennsylvania and obviously in this country as well, because there's not a lot of states who do who have do criminalized marijuana. And so you're sitting there you're like, well, even in a world where. You decriminalize it, what does that mean? You know, 
so we, we break it down. And as of 2014, when they w- wanted to move to decriminalize it, you have 30 grams or less on your pos- 30 grams or less on your person. You still get a fine. You still get a citation. And you still got to do nine hours of community service um, if you caught in public smoking it, and also hundred dollars. It's obviously it's it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you have possession of if you have more than 30 grams of it, then you get jail time. Period. Yeah, you're going down. And when you have when you have and that, is, and this is and this and this is after it's legalized, correct? Yeah, thank you. As of 2014, when we where they where they because Pennsylvania wants to decriminalize and get the money. Philadelphia has already moved to decriminalization in 2014. So in Philadelphia, if you have under 30 grams of weed on your person, yeah, you get like a $25 ticket get, or something, right? You get a $25 ticket. Yeah. If you were caught smoking on 8th and Market, whatever, you get a $100 fine. You got to do nine hours of community service. But you understand, these are all citations. So you're in the system, mm-hmm. right? So they're going to get that. That's money. And now you got a citation. But it's, you have, let's say you have 31 grams in this city. This is what, de- this is what decriminalized Philadelphia is. We're, we're running through. If you have 31 grams or 30.5 grams or whatever it is, punishable by jail time. And that's insane. Start there. That's insane. Yeah. So, and then it's crazy. And then it's so, like, so if that's jail time, so what was it before it was decriminalized? Like, that's insane. <laughs> that's crazy. More and then, jail time and then y'all going to turn around and sell it, to, it, and sell it, it back it, to us. Y'all going to lock us up for selling it. They're going to turn around and sell it back yep. to us and tax it and put tax on it. So if you are so if you're sitting there with thirty grams or under, we're talking about the hundred dollar fine, nine hours, and you're caught smoking by a cop in the city of Philadelphia, which has decriminalized marijuana. This is what decriminalization is. I'm walking in the street, I'm smoking weed, and a cop walks past me and says, "Oh, you got an ID on you? You can have under 30, 30 grams. It doesn't matter. You can have five grams. You can have one gram. You got any, you got an ID on you? If you tell that cop, no, I don't have. You can't present a form of identification on your on yourself you're under arrest. when you're smoking weed and weed at all." You're under arrest. Completely insane. You you can have the under legal limit, but if you don't have your ID on you, you're under arrest. And at, and at any point for a cop, whether you got 30 grams or under, which is a legal use, a cop can confiscate your weed for whatever reason they want, even if you had the legal amount on your person. So what they want to adopt is this statewide, and then obviously open dispensaries to get money and tax off that. But you see how this all plays into like what Sean's referencing to. Getting you in the system. If you are, if you're not going to walk into their state appointed in a decriminalized Pennsylvania, if you're not walking into their state mm-hmm. dispensaries where you can be taxed and you can put revenue back into the farm system and chattel system that's putting our black behinds in prison, if you're just walking on the street and they can't get your money dealt up the way where they have a state store similar to the wine and spirits, but for weed, oh, if yep. they can't get your money like that, they'll get you just for walking on the street with your legal you amount you confiscating you. You got no ID because you at your cousin's house. You under you in handcuffs. What's that? You're booked. What's that? Court fees, lawyer fees. Exactly. You're in the system. Community and service. So, yeah, all that is money. That's money. The citation's money. They're gonna get you either way. And then they're telling you, oh, don't worry about it because the money we take from you, from trapping you. Yeah, so don't feel bad about it. Don't feel bad about it. We're giving it back to your why, people. If we believe that. I was like, and mind you, after all, while all this is going on between me and you out here in these streets. You have people who have been, who are in jail for decades currently for the distribution of the same thing. Like we said, they're packaging up right now. So you can so we have this whole minefield we're trying to navigate through whereas you gotta go to state run stores or run the risk of being arrested and fined, or like obviously arrested or fined or both. And then you're sitting there and while you're navigating this, you might have mm-hmm. a cousin or a brother mm-hmm. or a mom or a sibling who's in jail for the same stuff. 
That's insane. They, wanna walk, they want you to walk into a state-run cannabis store and say, go get it. Do you know how crazy that would be? So every person in the city who's like not going to go to your state-run store, because why? Because they don't have the access or the identification, whatever. They're going to crack down. They're going to over-police these areas that has, that's, that's selling it. Just move out of the way where you just have to flood to that dispensary. So you pay that bill by, you're gonna pay, we're going to pay that bill by them opening dispensaries and getting funding through that. And they're going to pay that bill by the over-policing, over-criminalization of brown and black people, putting us in jail, paying these fines, being in the system, pay, have, having to be on probation, paying into the system, and that's how you pay your bill. At some point, these states might have, have an OnlyFans page. That's where they are with needed money. <laughs> As we end every broadcast, we're doing the bulletin board, which is the rundown of all the major news, things happening in the city, events, things going on. And the first news is that Guy Fieri... Hey, that's my dog. Oh my that's my dog. That's my dog. On the great show, Diners Drive In and Dives. The new, the latest episode, Diners Diners Drive In and Dives, this week featured three Philadelphia restaurants: Hardina, Stogie Joe's, um, and an American Stogie Joe's, and they actually actually use Gall and Co- Gall and Company Malt House, which is in Port Richmond. Oh yeah, these Hardina, were all, I don't mean I don't mean to cut you off. Hardina is actually an Indonesian restaurant in South Philly. So when you go down there to see if your kid can enroll in Thomas, go down there and get you, get you some food. Go in down South Philly, get you some Indonesian food. I mean, treat yourself. Don't cheat yourself. You, you, you get a, you get, you get a, a promo check? <laughs> I'm looking up my work? people, yeah. I'm Put looking. me on. Because if I got to say their school name and you get a check, I'll, I'll say the name a few more times and see if you can put they some money in No more checks in already books. cutting me. <laughs> <laughs> So you got, I was gonna say, you got Hardina, you got Stogie Joe's, and um, the Golden Company Malt House, all featured in diners driving and dives. And it's been speculated on social media that three more Philly restaurants can make the show very soon: uh, Farmers Keeping in Center City, Mom's Kitchen in Bridesburg, and Woodrow Sandwich Shop in Bella um, Vista. So I actually ate at um that my means that guy the, the food actually pretty is good. There we go. And, may, and Sean, I'm pretty sure you try to get down there to get yo, that tape uh, because... Yo, I was about to say, you're going to gonna see me on one of them, on one of them restaurants. Who <laughs> doesn't want to go to Flavor Town? I do. Who does not want to go to Flavor Town? I'm going to be pushing okay? to bring Guy on the, uh, on the podcast. <laughs> Tell me, listen, Guy, we, you know I come, get, get, your, get some promo. Get your promo up. I actually saw somebody on the... on. I saw someone on the boulevard that had a Guy Fieri bumper sticker. And I was Seriously? Like, yeah, that's neat so. right there. I don't know if I'm going that far. I went to the bumper sticker. Oh. That's deep. Guy Fieri bringing the good time, bringing the flavor to Philly. Another thing bringing the flavor to Philly is the Philly uh, living, driving oh, yeah. at Citizens Bank Park. That's still ruling. The Black Star Film Festival digitally is still ruling, and the Philadelphia Film Society driving is continuing to rule. At the Philly living, driving, and on September 7th, to highlight that, there will be a comedy show, the Labor Day Comedy Jam, starring Michael Blackson, we all know, uh, featuring. Capone, Ture, Skeet Carter, and the special guest DJ Jazzy Jeff will be and his son Corey Towns will be playing, um, will be DJing via the sets hosted by Live Nation and Party Nine Nine own Charlie Mack. I actually, I actually have tickets to that. I do too. Well, you know, we'll see each other. Maybe we'll get we'll go on the podcast so we get there and say, you know, what's what was that like? Hilarious. So if you're looking for something, we I would we you know I put we pushed it to this week obviously because it's something that you need to get tickets to now. If you sit there and say I told you next week, oh yeah, well on uh on Sunday they got this comedy show come up on Sunday, like you're like well sold out. Okay, yeah. so we're trying to give you guys a, a, two, a two two week warning. Labor Day, welcome you home. If you want to go see Michael Blackson, 
Ray, Ski Card, everybody. Laugh it up at Citizens Bank Park. You need to go get some tickets right now. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the bulletin board. We got, um, obviously, indoor dining. We got Philadelphia. Keep doing your thing. You masked up. We under 100. Let's get under 50. Let's, let's under listen. 50. Open this whole thing, thing back up. Wide open, Miami. To the, to the families out there, the virtual learning centers, the open September 8th, keep applying. Put your foot on Mary Taney's neck to get your application through because you need them laptops. You need to access Guy Fieri. Look out for Guy Fieri's episode. <laughs> Look out for Sean. Uh, and also, the Philly Living Drive-In, the Black Star Film Festival, the Philadelphia Film Society Drive-In Theater, all open right now. Everything going on. And if you want to get some laughs in, September 7th at Scissors Bank Park, you got to get the tickets right now for the Labor Day Comedy Jam. That's it. So... I am one of your hosts again. Wrap this thing up. We had a good week. We had a good week. Yo, Russ, I, I, here, and I was just about know? to say, I've been smiling all week, and I'm trying to figure out why. I've been in such a good mood. Yeah. <laughs> Can't nothing break my mood. And I think it's because I think it's I think I think Russ it's because Brett Stink is finally out of the city, and I can and I can breathe again. Yep. We got multiple sports going on. Football's gonna be back in two weeks. We got a family fantasy draft, which I will time the two time champion of. Thank you. Coming up on the first time, bust that thing open, win a chip. I mean, we ain't gonna trip though. What happens? What happens? I already told you. After like week six, I'll be in and out. Yeah, yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah. Well, when you won, you wasn't. Now, now when you suck, it is. I wouldn't say suck, but so we had a good week. We have a good week coming up. And, you know, from, from, from us here at the Fly Zone, we hope you have a great week. I am one of your hosts, Candace McLean, and I'm joined with... Just wanted to connect Carter. We're saying much love to y'all. Stay safe out there. Peace. Peace.